To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode is also brought to you by pbandjoey.com. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for the all-new dark roast coffee. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey, folks, open an account today with Weeble, and with just a $100 deposit, you'll get four free stocks. And if you refer a friend, you'll get two more. Such a simple way to start a portfolio with the power of a desktop, tablet, or cell phone. With Weeble, you'll get zero commission fees, access to pre-market trading, and in-depth analytical tools for more advanced users. If you want to support this program, go to positivesarcasm.com, click on the Weeble banner in the contact section. That way, I'll get free stocks and you'll get free stocks. Now, that's something most of us can agree on. Terms and conditions do apply. See Weeble.com for more information. Thank you to Weeble, and please trade responsibly. Bored housewives, so they're generally hitting the Moscato too because they need something sweet in their lives because their husband is f-ing sour. Sh-. That ring on your finger? Some pygmy died digging that out of a f-ing hole for you to say I do and ruin some guys like. Yeah, look at that dude. He's got a hernia shaped like a bag of f-ing pretzels that he just. You're ate. going to Thailand. You're going to smash some dude. Going over there for guy time, but it's not with his buddies. What does it say on the bottle? Well, if it says that on the bottle, why did you put it on your head? All these actors did was shut their mouths because they didn't want to be run out of Hollywood. Now a bad batch of Chinese food has you blowing insurance premiums on vitamin f***ing D. Too much. (laughs) I sound like Bill Maher. Really, John? Really? Really? We can't do this anymore, auntie. I'll see you at the bar mitzvah. almost like it never existed, but it f***ing did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself. JAirPositiveSarcasm.com reporting here from the Spare Parts Studio. I want to get out of here. Hey, you can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. You can find me at Facebook.com, Evil Empire at positive sarcasm, POS sarcasm. You guys know where to find me. You guys know where to find me. If you wanted to find me, you wanted to find me, you wouldn't have found me by now. What are you doing, Chase? What are you... Oh, he's chasing sky raisins. You guys know what sky raisins are? Look it up. What is he doing? What are you doing? What are you... It's <laughs> amazing. Anyways, yeah, you can hook me up on, uh, you can find me on the fucking, yeah. find me on the social medias, uh, email me directly, positivesarcasm.outlook.com, you can also go to my website, positivesarcasm.com, email me directly through there, contact information, support the podcast, the platform, the music reactions, uh, I dropped a, just dropped a new one earlier this week, uh, positive sarcasm reactions, positive sarcasm podcast, and the original, positive sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, today was, a. Uh, I need a muffin day. I don't eat a lot of like garbage food, but sometimes it's like <sighs> I just walked into the grocery store. I was just I'm I'm gonna get broccoli. I'm gonna get uh, carrots. I'm gonna get apples, and I'm gonna get a thing of water. And it's just like the first thing I walk in, I'm like I can I can't really I can't really go for a muffin right now. Uh, chocolate, uh, blueberry, and uh, apples. I just want a muffin with starch. And then like I feel better now. I mean, I'm probably going to go into a coma in the next 25 minutes, but until then, I feel great. Hope I don't have anything stuck in my teeth. Too late for that. Um, so now that we have that all straightened out, and uh, you guys are totally confused as to what's going on, I did want to... I mean, should we get to this? We should start with the, with the more happy stuff, and then maybe it will go into the serious stuff, and then we will go into the Q&A. Is that the right Q&A? Am I Yeah. No, that's the right one. Alright. So, um, obviously you guys know I am single. Uh, and I am not looking. Uh looking the other way, that's for goddamn sure. Speaking of looking the other way, uh, there's a article here. Uh, I want to get to this really quick. I just I just saw like I had some other articles I want to look at. They, these are the ones I actually wanted to uh <laughs> These are the articles I wanted to penetrate. 
Um, so these articles I want to uh, check out first. This was a, obviously when it comes to relationships, I don't know shit about relationships, but I do want to read this one. It's by Inside Hook. Why men should celebrate divorce. We'll see if this uh, confirms any of my biases that I'm hoping to achieve this evening. But until then, like marriage, it's a milestone. And at the end of an often arduous process, there is no shame in celebrating that. Okay, well, let's keep going. Dan wasn't planning... Oh, it starts with a hypothetical. Dan wasn't planning on leaving the Porsche dealership as the owner of not one, but two new luxury vehicles earlier this summer when he went in with his sights set on a white Cayman. If you guys know, don't know what a white Cayman is, a Porsche Cayman is basically the Whopper Jr. of the Porsche 911. But it's not a Boxster, or excuse me, it's not a Porsche Boxer, um, which is like the weak ass. That's the Porsche you don't buy. The Porsche Cayman is like your flat six, almost 300 horsepower, really nice Porsche. Great part. You can, and they're affordable pre-owned too. You can find them for like 20 grand. The new ones are more expensive, but they're beautiful cars. But after selecting the sporty two-seater, the 50-year-old Long Islander, Long Island, found himself splurging on the black Panamera after as well. After all, he had something to celebrate. His divorce. Quote, the salespeople could not believe I was buying two cars for myself to celebrate my divorce, says Dan. The owner came over and told me I was already a legend. Okay. There's a tendency to write off middle-aged men who ride off into the post-divorce sunset in expensive new cars, or in case of some recently divorced billionaires, into space or phallic rocket ships. Oh, I see what they're talking about, Jeff Bezos. As obnoxious show-offs in the midst of a midlife crisis. But men like Dan are hardly the only ones turning divorce into cause for celebration. In recent decades, full-blown divorce parties have gained popularity as divorcees and their support networks seem to reshape and redefine the heavily stigmatized narrative that has long surrounded an ending in marriage. Rather than something to be mourned or shamed, celebratory proceedings in the aftermath of a divorce recognize the end of a marriage, not unlike the beginning of one, represents a significant milestone, one that often concludes a difficult period in life. If we celebrate the beginning of something good, why wouldn't we also why shouldn't we also celebrate the end of something bad? Quote, I think a well-timed divorce party can provide as much needed provide a much needed ritual to mark the end of a difficult period, says Jennifer Meyer, MALPCNCC, a licensed professional counselor in Fort Collins, Colorado. Quote, when couples announce their engagement as well as when they get married, we as a society gather around, bring gifts, dance, celebrate the couple. But when it comes to the end of a marriage, says Meyer, we could approve, improve in terms of how we gather uh, around the individual going through divorce. That's when celebrate. That's where divorce celebrations can be helpful, both in rewriting the narrative surrounding the end of one's marriage as a positive one, as well as providing an opportunity for friends and family to show support. This can be particularly valuable for men, for men who, according to Meyer, statistically struggle more than women in the aftermath of divorce. Perhaps in part because dated, dated notions of masculinity tend to keep men from seeking the support of friends and family. Helping someone celebrate a recent divorce can be supportive, a supportive act that brings together a man's community, creates a ritual to mark the end of something painful, and is often long remembered, says Meyer. In their trendiest form, however, the divorce parties have, that have gained popularity in recent years are often associated with female divorces. Flashy Pinterest-inspired affairs resembling the kind of reverse bachelorette party, complete with ceremonial wedding dress burning, cheeky divorce cakes, and a wedding photos on dartboards. Naturally, this may not be a particularly appealing option for most men, especially because such ostentatious bacchanalas in the name of divorce can often sometimes come across as tasteless, a flippant fuck you to marriage in general, gendered societal stereotypes. Be- uh, being what they are, it may be a- easier for women to pull this kind of irreverence, pull off this kind of irreverence, excuse me. For women, and this is all from the ar- article, by the way, that I'm reading. I mean, I'll, I'll try to pierce through this and get some of my thoughts in a moment, but from let's actually just finish the article. For women who have historically held less power within the institution of marriage, throwing darts at a photo of an ex at a drunken divorce party might seem funny, cathartic, or even empowering. For straight men, on the other hand, celebrating a divorce... 
in a similar manner, might have a tendency to come off as tasteless, even sexist behavior, reflective of dated stereotypes about the uh, severing of the old ball and chain. This doesn't mean, however, that men can't and shouldn't celebrate their divorces in whatever manner they choose, though many seek quieter forms of celebration than the splashy Instagram-ready divorce parties that have lit up social media in recent years. For men like Dan, for example, a divorce celebration might call for an extravagant purchase of a long-coveted luxury item or two. Other may gather with friends or family for a round of drinks or golf. Okay. Planning a camping trip or celebrating with family. Women may be more public about a divorce celebration while men may be more private, says Meyer, who adds that in her experience, women uh, are more likely to celebrate divorce in general, though she's begun to see the trend picking up among men. There are many ways men and women respond differently to divorce due to cultural expectations and conditioning. But I believe all people going through a divorce could benefit from celebrating certain aspects of it. It is also worth noting, despite the flippant tone that ends to color the divorce party trend, celebrating divorce doesn't seem to be a middle finger to one's ex or previous marriage. For some, a divorce celebration isn't even necessarily celebrating the end of marriage, per se. When Dr. Fareed Sami, uh, Sami a 42-year-old engineer based in Houston, celebrated his divorce in 2019 after five years of marriage and two years of messy divorce proceedings, including a child custody battle. The celebration was more about recognizing the end of a stressful legal process than the end of the marriage itself. When the drawn-out legal battle with his ex finally came to an end and Sami was granted custody of the couple's child, celebratory gatherings with friends and family are, were a way to mark the way of an incredibly difficult period of time. But also for Sami Sami to thank the support system that had rallied around him throughout the divorce. I really benefited during the whole process from a huge amount of support, says Sami. The parties were mainly as a thank you to the people who were supportive. And, of course, it was two years of difficult time. Of a difficult time. So this was more of a celebration that the time is now over. For Dan, whose recent automobile purchases commemorate his second divorce. Second, there was little in the way of uh, such a support network when his first marriage ended more than a decade ago. Raised by a single mother, Dan... Feared an unsuccessful marriage meant he was repeating his father's mistakes, a fear certain judgmental relatives were more than willing to reinforce. This time around, Dan isn't buying into the shame that his long-followed divorce is. It is truly a celebration, he says. Fortunately, society is also starting to catch up with the growing divorce party trending, suggesting a broader shift in cultural perceptions of marriage and its end. Rather than a shameful failure, we're starting to recognize divorce for the difficult but often necessary and healthy decision it is. Rather than shaming people into staying in unhappy marriages, we're celebrating them for having the courage to get out and seek happiness and fulfillment elsewhere. That's not to say, however, there's no room to mourn divorce for the loss it often is. Even while celebrating certain aspects of a of the end of a marriage, it is, quote, it is important to not to minimize a person's feeling of grief, because these feelings are normal and healthy, says Meyer. There are several aspects of divorce that can be celebrated while also recognizing that there are often other painful aspects. Regardless of gender, who, even of who filed for divorce, there's no right or wrong way to celebrate, nor there are, are there right or wrong reasons. People can celebrate the end of a difficult relationship, the end of an awful legal process, the end of the process of separating assets and painful emotional disentangling and can also celebrate the start of a happier new chapter, says Meyer. Sometimes a divorce party is simply an act of the newly divorced person's French showing support. Hey, man, you made it through this really tough thing. Let's celebrate you. Meanwhile, as societal attitudes toward divorce continue to shift and broaden, there's more room for nuance in our approach to processing the end of a marriage. Quote, having a divorce party does not mean that you're 100% happy about everything that happened. And it doesn't mean that you're crass or dismissive of marriage, says Meyer. It means that we've, you've got through one hell of a difficult chapter, and that's reason for celebration. Okay. Well, obviously, I'm not going to be going out and purchasing two different brand new Porsches anytime soon. But I, But hey, it's... A lot of guys especially guys, are not in the position to be able to make such purchases because generally they have to deal with, with things such as child support, alimony, finding a new house, buying new stuff, because most of that stuff tends to go, go towards the women. Generally, when it comes to the, the end of a marriage, 
It's the guy who generally gets screwed over and has to end up paying out significantly. Have those stereotypes per se or have those trends started to change? Uh, yes, they have because generally if the guy is making more – if the guy's not making as much money, then generally I don't know why you would go seeking alimony to him. If the woman's the doctor or the woman's the lawyer, I don't know. That's – I guess. Why would you go seeking – if he makes a half the money she does, why would you go – getting after him for child support or getting after him for alimony. But I'm just saying in general, when a relationship that has a lot attached to it, or whether it's a relationship or a marriage, ends, there's a lot to be sad about. That's It obviously, when it's a lot attached to it, there's a lot of things that have to be worked out. Now, sometimes it's the friends and the family who actually may, who in this case would be supporting you. Sometimes they're the ones who sometimes they're the ones who make the situation worse at the end. Or maybe the situation was salvageable, or the relationship was really worth saving, but because of friends or family or coworkers, it they gave you a sour taste and it led them and it led you down the wrong path. Now don't get me now don't get me wrong. I I can relate to this in a lot of ways. For example, when my relationship ended, um, well, when it ended, it, it wasn't the the whole shit show had just begun. Um, but my celebration of when it finally settled down and things came to an end was when I got Chase back and you know made a video dedicated to him and my struggle in in understanding whether or not I was going to get him back. That was my celebration, and my celebration of parading him around town and having him meet friends and family. Um, that was that is my celebration of life and liberty and my pursuit of meaning and getting my dream back. And I'm still doing it. I'm still, but I'm still at the same time. I you can I can celebrate. You can celebrate all you want. The question is, do you have time? Do you have physical and financial and emotional time to be doing that? Now, look, I guess when you break it down to its simplest form, if you are going through a a horrible end to a relationship, or in this in this article's case, a marriage, when it does end, when it does end, I can agree, I can be okay with if a relationship finally ends and everybody goes their separate ways. Uh, rounds of golf, a, ba a a party, or something. Yeah, to say thank you to those who supported me. I totally get it. Um, I don't know if this our, our article is making this out this situation out to be more than it really is. Um, but moving on, it can be hard. Obviously, in some situations, when the relationship ending is black and white. And it's like he was a fucking psycho or she was fucking another guy or, um, you know, he was arrested on drug charges or something like that. Then it's like, OK, this was clear, black and white. It's not really a painful thing. It's more of a whoo, glad that's over with. But when there's animals and children and houses involved, then it's like it's painful and there's other things involved and that money isn't there. It's more of a pick up the pieces and try to put shit back together, which takes years. It takes years to put everything back together and get back that security that you once had. And it's not just the financial security, which was obviously blown to pieces, but it's like your emotional security. It's like, what I just went through, how do I salvage my my being to get back out there or to not just get back out there? Girl, you got to get back out there. Come on, Stella. But just like to get out there and be... A human who trusts others, whether it's business partners, friends, family, potential new loved ones. You know, that's a different, that's a trauma that has to be worked through. Whether it's through like seeking like, a, um, you know, behavioral counseling or making amends with old family members and talking to them and being like, look, this is what's been going on in my life and I wasn't sure how to approach it and now I'm here, but... I don't know. I guess maybe thought, I thought this was a good idea. So, I mean, celebrating is, I mean, I, for me, celebrating is kind of just, to me, it's like, uh, I don't know, a glass of good brown booze and hanging out with my dog. I think that's it. I don't think a bit, for me, a big party, 
doesn't it, that seems hollow to me that to me that seems hollow uh i understand celebrating the end of things but it's like it just i don't know i don't i don't think i'd make it more than it needs to be obviously it's like okay well you're obviously not spending that free time with that other person anymore so what are you gonna do well obviously a celebration of what going out with your friends or going golfing or something i don't I, I or buying yourself presents. I get it. I get it. Maybe going on a trip that you've always wanted to go to. All right. Well, obviously that's just more not more, so much celebrating the end of a a, strong, a relationship that had difficult ties built into it. Um but more of just doing the things that you've been wanting to doing but you've been putting them off or delaying or just outright canceling them because you were focusing on a relationship. Or maybe you weren't. Maybe a lot of the times like First of all, let's not discourage relationships. And also, let's not discourage marriage. Marriage is a... It's hard work, as any relationship is. It's just on paper. It's hard work. It takes a long time. And when it's in the gutter, it's your job as the couple, in each individual portions, to revive it. Make it work. Figure it out. There's a reason you guys got together, because you knew things were going to be tough at times and you chose this person to because you knew you could work through it with them and if they're not listening or if there's something they're missing you talk to them first and if uh, then you seek counsel or you seek advice on how to make the situation better make the situation better not worse it's like i want this to work out how do we rectify the situation it should never have to lead to divorce or the ending of a relationship, but this article brings up the valid point. Relationships and marriages end all the time, and sadly more often now than ever. It's a sad truth, but it's true. Very much so. So how do you exhale from something that bad? It could be a six-month relationship. It could be a 10-year marriage. In either case, getting through that and being allowed to exhale as much as possible, and I get it, doing it for the for the gram, per se, posting that shit, like having a divorce party, like people post pictures of their birthday party, or pi- people post pictures or video of their wedding or baby shower, but posting pictures of like a divorce party or, divo- or divorce golfing trip with your buddies, um... Nah, there's nothing classy about that. Because to me, that is a giant fuck you. There are other ways to say, if you're going to say something, if you're going to say fuck you, then just say fuck you. That's how, if you're, if you're, don't post pictures on Instagram, you know, basically having a fuck you party. No, just say fuck you. That's how you should do it. If you, that's your intention. Just do it truthfully. Don't be passive aggressive about it. Just go for the throat. That's the problem. Is people are too passive aggressive. No, be honest. If you truly are angry about the ending of a relationship or a marriage, don't throw a fuck you party. Just say fuck you. And be done with it. If there's legal matters to resolve, then you handle it. But celebrating the end of the relationship, okay, I get it. But to me, it's nothing more than than a uh, uh you know a, a glass of brown liquor and you know watching the sunset with my dog that's pretty much it i don't have or going hiking in the morning with him i don't see any other uh reason to bring up that pain even if it's in the form of a celebration but i'm me and i deal with things way weirder than other people do but If that's something that helps you get to the next chapter of your life in order to close the book on it, on on that chapter, in order to get to the next one, all right, fine. If it mentally helps you process things in order to better yourself and those around you, then so be it. That's totally fine. It's just, just because I don't understand it uh, doesn't mean I don't approve of it. It's just that some people want to go out and buy a $60,000 Porsche, but they've also been through two divorces, they're in their mid-50s, 
and they still have their money and they didn't give it all to their ex-wife. So he can buy those Porsches. Okay, but that's what he wanted to do. He picked a good car to do it. I mean, a Porsche Cayman? That's a beautiful car. And it's not a cheap purchase. So if that's what he's going to drive to the golf course to hang out with his buddies, that's totally fine. I don't see a problem with that. To me, glass of Don Julio, glass of Basil Hayden's, and I think I'm or I think I'm good. I think that's pretty much it. I, I I've always asked for the simple life. Nothing more than a little cape, you know, like a thousand, twelve hundred square feet with a little backyard for Pupper, watch the ocean. It can hear it can smell the ocean from like, you know, you know, a, a couple miles away. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I've asked for. Um so you work towards that. I mean, you think about it. That's for me it's possible. I know in reality it's going to take me um take me about I mean, worst case scenario 5 years, best case scenario 2 maybe 1. Uh but I mean to get what I wanted, but we'll see. I mean, it's it's in my sights, and it, it, that's the one thing that I'm look, looking to aim at. Uh, I think it's I think it's definitely possible. I just gotta keep, you know, tightening the sights, and 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 then one day shoot my shot, and I'll, I'll get it. As long as it's 100% on me, and I'm you know I'm at the age I'm taking care of myself. I'm healthy. My pupper's healthy. My gear is healthy. My cars are healthy. My my whole situation is solid. It's solid for the moment. It could change in a day. It could change in a week. It could change in a month. But these are the things like I don't have time to be celebrating anything in general. Like I have work to do. I have content to make. I have thoughts and opinions and facts to share. And I have a lot to improve on. You know, I have a lot to improve on. Like I didn't need to be spending $4 on muffins. I could have put that in my gas tank. You know, I couldn't, I could have, but sometimes you pay yourself and basically three to $4 worth of muffins is essentially how I paid myself this week. Everything else went towards necessity, you know, the rest, you know, or in, you know, I mean, it's not like I buy dog food. I buy freaking, you know, Chase eats like fucking chicken breasts, carrots, and you know, (laughs) he eats like me. So, I mean, I have to make sure that I'm looking out for his best interest the whole time, which I do, which I do. So I don't necessarily have time to celebrate. I have time to work my ass off and spend time with family, spend time with friends, make content, prepare for the next phase of my life, and spend as much time with him as I can. So I do appreciate I do appreciate this article focusing on men. Um understanding that they need time to get their shit together, they need time to breathe, they need time to celebrate, and they need time to move on. I just, I, I never like the idea of divorce. I don't like to see things end if they don't have to. I like the idea of revival. I like the idea that things can be not just salvaged, but revived and re brought back to life. You know, like a plant, like a flower that's been hiding for the wintertime, but then comes back to life, you know? You know, I see people that I, I maybe know from the past or maybe that I've dated or maybe I know that are in marriages that uh, aren't going, maybe aren't great, but they kind of settled in. But I, you know, I, I see some of these, I see some of them on like uh, Instagram or whatever, and I do nothing but, and I'm f- friends, I'm good with all of them, and I root for them. I really do. I root for them to have, um, because... I, why not? I root for them because I feel like they're good people. They work hard. They care about themselves. They care about their families. They care about the people around them. And you root for them. You check on them. You see what they're up to. And you make sure that they're happy. You make sure that they're happy and fulfilled and living their best, the best life possible. Now, most of them, I think, are. And I'm, I'm, it's so great because we need more fulfilled and happy people out there. 
And it shouldn't be because they took Zoloft that morning. It's because they truly have a situation where they can truly feel comfortable in their own skin. I mean, and I can only look at one of them and see, like, okay, they're probably not in a situation. They're probably in a situation where as soon as they're, as soon as her kids graduate high school, she's fucking out the door. But that's the only one I could think of. The rest of them, uh, I wish them all the best, and I couldn't be happier for them. And I want it to work because I don't like seeing relationships break up if they don't have to. But this article just paints the picture of, hey, you know what? Men got to breathe too, and they got to move on with their lives. And if they have to mark that moment as some type of celebration or party or uh, buying a car, uh, I totally get it. I totally get it, and uh, I appreciate the article from Inside Hook uh, for pointing it out as as they do. Uh, who wrote this article, actually? Kayla Kibby. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at K underscore Kibby. Uh, K-I-B-B-E. So shout out to Kayla, uh, Kayla Kibby for writing this article. Very nice of you, Kayla. Uh, appreciate you. I don't know what other stuff you write, but uh, thanks. That's pretty cool. Um, do I want to get to... This other one is a little tough. Let's see here. 28. Yeah, we should probably get into it. Fuck it. This one's rough. This one's rough. Um, that's not it. Okay. So obviously I don't like BuzzFeed, but this is an this is something that they're talking about that I've spoken about. So obviously I'm not a fan of the Chinese Communist Party. I'm not a fan of how the the country of China is locking up uh, Uyghur Muslims. Uh, it's a population that's basically been uh, segregated from the rest of the world, thrown in labor camps, and basically it's a, it's a religious genocide at this point. So uh, BuzzFeed, um, who does a lot of shit that I don't like, but they are reporting on something that is real, that is actually happening, and I want to kind of jump into it. And it's going to turn, it's going to change the the flavor of this podcast for a hot minute here. So bear with me. Um. Okay. So BuzzFeed can reveal for the first time the the full capacity of China's previously secret network of prisons and detention camps in Zhejiang, enough space to detain more than one million people. Uh, calculated the floored areas of 347 compounds bearing the hallmarks of prisons and internment camps in the region and then compared them to China's own prison and detention construction standards, which lay out how much space is needed for each person detained or in prison. Early estimates, including one extrapolated from three-year-old leaked government data, have suggested a total of more than a million Muslims that have been detained or in prison over the last five years, with an unknown number of released during that time. Unknown number released during the time. Okay. Unknown number? Okay. Our unprecedented analysis goes further, showing that China has built space to lock up at least 1.01 million people in Xinjiang at the same time. That's enough space to detain or incarcerate more than one in every 25 residents of Xinjiang simultaneously, a figure seven times higher than the criminal detention capacity of the United States, the country with the highest official incarceration rate in the world. So they got a map here. Uh, even this extraordinary capacity is very likely to be an underestimate for a simple reason. It does not take into account the suffocating overcrowding that many former Zhejiang detainees have described in interviews. Since last year, BuzzFeed has exposed how China feverishly constructed a permanent mass detention infrastructure in Xinjiang to help carry out its draconian campaign of detention, surveillance, forced labor, repression targeting Uyghurs, Kazakhs, and other Muslim minorities. The new analysis is the most clear and complete picture to date of the system's scale and capacity. So obviously they start talking about uh, religious minorities, Nazi camps during World War II. Obviously the China don't say shit about it. They talk it. They, China has called it a flat-out lie, and they said it's a facilities in Zhejiang are vocational education and training centers designed to root out extreme thoughts, get rid of the environment that soil and breeds terrorism and religious extremism, and stop violent terrorist activities from happening. Uh, let's see. So, let's see what else they got going on here. They talk, there's the amount of Kashgars, the amount of Uyghurs, the, um, yeah, so they, they're talking about how many they got of that. Um, so they got all the, we got the documents. We got all the documents. It's in there. Um, and it just talks about most of that shit in general. The Uyghur exiles, millions of Muslims, how much, I mean, look. Here's what's, here's what's happening. Chinese government is locking up Uyghur Muslims in a specific part of their country. They force them into these labor camps. 
they make them either change their ways, they're either re-educated, so re or indoctrinated, or they're killed. Okay. Obviously, China is very good at making its own people piss disappear. The problem with China is that they're very good at keep keeping their people in check. I mean, personally, they are the number one manufacturer in the world of of, uh, of drones, commercial drones. So, and their uh, surveillance system is second to none. So they're very good. Well, actually, the the Brits have a very good surveillance system as well. I believe I forget what it's called, but I think it's called. Uh, no, it's not Enigma. That was a machine. It was a decoding machine. But they basically have eliminated any potential enemies in China by making it such a hard a harsh surveillance state that any dissident against dissidents against the Chinese government and you disappear. And if you're found out to be a Uyghur Muslim, they just come into your house and take you away and stick you in the camp. I mean, there are, I believe there are stories of uh, Amer of college students that were in America studying for college went back to China, and for some reason, the Chinese Communist Party, secret police, kicked down their door and dragged, I think it was some college college girl, away. And, she, uh, and that was pretty much that. All because of that. All because of being a Muslim, or Uyghur Muslim. So, I mean, text messages are monitored through there, Uyghur, uh, WeChat, QQ, all the banned apps. They, there's, there's nothing that you can't, nothing really you can do in China without the Chinese Communist Party telling you about, uh, uh, saying something about it, or seeing it. Excuse me. Where am I going with that? So it is, it is extremely concerning that this type of thing can make its way over here. I mean, obviously, we still have the ability to say a lot of shit and get away with it over there. Not so much. Uh, as far as what's going to happen later, I don't know. But we already see things like people being shadow banned and censored on the internet, which is a, a very a thing that's very favorable to the Chinese Communist Party. They're fans of censoring everything. Now the question is: Is are we going to be able to? Because a lot of like the technocracy of Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. Essentially, they don't. The problem with these, with these social media apps, is they don't want to piss off some of their other uh, other. They don't want to piss off other countries. So they abide by laws that are in Europe. They abide by laws that are in China, that are in Russia, that are in Australia, uh, in the Middle East. So they abide by some of those laws in order not to get sued. So if if China says, hey, you can't put that on the app. Well, even though you're an American citizen and these are American companies, they could ban it, they could shut it down, they can censor it. I mean, stuff about the the Wuhan lab leak theory, the stuff about ivermectin, the stuff about Taiwan, uh, the the John Cena situation, um, uh, the uh, the censorship in Hollywood, the uh, the NBA phenomenon when uh, Daryl Morey uh, supported Hong Kong, Hong Kong in general. I mean, some serious stuff that's being censored or banned. And it's it's an issue. So basically, a lot of most, the vast majority of free speech is done online now. But if that gets censored, where does free speech go? And if it's essentially in a situation where China has a firm grasp on everything that's being said and done over here. Um, and it's not just China. Every a lot There are other countries that can do that as well that have... Um, that are able to censor stuff that happens through social media. Um, I believe countries in Europe can do that. I believe country, I believe Russia can do that. I believe Israel can do that. Um, the Israel story, I, I'm not, I can't really touch that. I don't know enough about it, but I knew that that there's always two sides to every story, and nobody's truly innocent in the in any scenario. Um, so this is something that concerns me greatly because. I mean, one million Uyghur Muslims trapped, can't get out, re-educated, or executed, just disappear. The problem with these countries like the Soviet Union and Mao's uh, China and North Korea is 
you can't really conf- really confirm if somebody has disappeared because there's really no evidence of it. I mean, there's millions and millions of people who died in so in the Soviet Union. There's no record of it because we could. There's just so many bodies, so many disappearances. We don't know. We just don't know. There's no record of it. The thing with Hitler's Germany is he wanted to exterminate all the Jews and make them disappear from the from the history books, but he documented and recorded everything. They had log books of how many people they set up, they burned and shot in some of the smaller uh, death camps. He had there was video of everything. He wanted to leave a marker. Uh, a biblical marker on the beginning of the Third Reich. He wanted everybody to know how it started, what it looked like, and how we got to that point. That was Adolf Hitler's uh, primary agenda. He wanted it to be known. He wanted to see people. He wanted people to see what he was doing. Essentially, at at some point, he videotaped and photographed everything, and logged everything. Whereas in the Soviet Union, uh not so much. Not so much. Not so much at all. Uh, same thing in Mao's China. People just disappeared. Uh, same thing in North Korea. People just disappear. And it doesn't. it's not just you they hurt. It's your family and it's generations of your family. So in today's China, it's no different. It's just they don't like you. You say something weird. You question your social media. Your social media score goes down. And then at a certain point, they just... Come pick you up, and then that's the end of you, and then that's the end of that. And the problem is, it's now that behavior is making its way over here, and that concerns me greatly because eventually they do come for you. Are we essentially going to be able to escape the grasp of this country and history constantly repeating itself and costing many lives in the process? I don't know much about Uyghur Muslims. Other than they're people. They're people with different ideas and different ideologies. And from what I understand, just like humans, they have no direct intent of harming me in any way, shape, or form, regardless of my race, religion, or opinion. I do understand there are some other people out there that would love to see me thrown on the cross. But... Better luck next time. But these people, I don't see any reason why they should be stuck in camps and forced to do things that they don't want to do. Never should that have to be the case. But in this situation, it's like this is something I've reported, I've talked about time and time again. And this is not a country that we should be supporting. If you want to be a first world power, you need to have uh, first world manners. And I know we're not great at doing it. I've talked many times about Edward Snowden basically fleeing to Russia. He can't come back because we'd essentially suicide him just like we did Jeffrey Epstein. But look, I'm yeah, is the United States the best country on the planet? Yes. Is it the United States a good country? One could argue that it is. One could argue that it isn't. And at times we're not good at all. But we are the best chance and we are definitely better by far, than the CCP or North Korea or the Soviet Union. Because we are able to crit- we are able to critique, essentially, without dire consequences. But that might be the last thing we have left. Once we truly lose that, we got a, we got a serious problem on our hands. But until then, I'm going to continue to talk about it and read the reports about it from any angle that I can see that's truly fact. And, I mean, I talked about when Hong Kong was fighting the mainland China, and obviously, they, you know, after COVID hit, they just took right over. They took over Hong Kong, and that's pretty much it. They just swallowed it right up, which is sad, but there wasn't really anything we could do about it. But this is something that we can continue to eye on and continue to push forward and see if there's any kind of pressure that we can put on them, just to talk about it. Why not talk about it? Why not press upon it? I know that China's uh, IPs, uh, are, are their freaking search bots, are constantly looking at everybody's site on the internet, including mine. And they never go farther. They just check to see if my site's there, and then they move on. 
But they do that like once a month. I'll see some shit from China. They never, and it's never, it's not somebody looking for posing music or somebody reading my articles. It's always them just going to my main page. And probably just to like block it because I'm pretty sure if you're in China, you're not seeing my site. Every other country, even Iran, even Iran can go through my can go through my entire website. China, they just go to the main page and that's it. It doesn't go any farther than that. So, I just wanted to comment on that. If you if you have questions, just look up like you know uh, you can look up China, look up Uyghur. Uyghur is U Y G H U R. Uyghur Muslims, and just look up. And there's all kinds of news about it. There's all kinds of YouTube articles about it. It is what they're doing is basically putting a the short story of it. Putting people of a specific religious uh, uh, religious sect and sticking them in a concentration camp. And I can only assume that, from what I can see in this article, that the conditions suck. And I'm pretty sure that but people are disappearing as well. So We are at 43 minutes. Let's go ahead and finish up with some Q&A. And then we'll go out and get out of here. Um, I'm going to be heading up north for the weekend. Uh, I got some things I have to do and then I'm possibly getting ready to start shooting some more content again. Possibly. We'll see how the weather plays out. Um, and then we'll go, we'll, we'll see from there. Uh, also, if you want to check out my new, uh, YouTube channel, positive sarcasm reaction, uh, for, I just, I just enjoy reacting to music. So I really do love it. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, like subscribe and share if that's your thing. Let's kill it with some articles. Uh, dig.com Q&A. Hold on. I need to take a drink. I've had like a solid gallon today. All right, here we go. Am I a jerk for convincing my girlfriend not to see a movie and then taking her ticket to see the movie? I, uh, 21-year-old male, have been together with my partner, female 22, for about two years now. Bit of background. My partner and I live in two different cities, and so we are only able to meet up once or twice a week. The past week, however, I told my partner that I did want to meet. I did not want to meet up, as the gas prices were extremely high, and as the primary driver between the two of us, she doesn't drive. I felt that my request was reasonable. To my relief, my partner was extremely understanding and made other arrangements to hang out with our close mutual friend group. Things were going fine until I found out that my partner, that my partner and our friends were going to watch a movie that we were both dying to watch. As a result, I began to feel a bit of FOMO, fear of missing out, and told my partner that I wanted to see her after all. Without missing a beat, my partner immediately canceled on our friends and began to get ready for our meeting. At the same time, one of our mutual friends messaged me to ask if I was interested in taking my partner's place since they had already purchased a ticket for her. I agreed and told my partner that I was going to see the movie with our friends. She then got extremely mad at me and said that I, I told her earlier she could have transited and made it on time for the movie as well. Now, the only way for her to make it in time was for me to drive and pick her up. However, I reminded her that I initially didn't want to pick her up due to the distance between us as well as, as high gas prices. In the end, I went to the movie without her, and as I felt that it would have been a waste of a ticket and that my partner should have known how badly I wanted to watch the movie, now, the movie, now that movie is over, I've been trying to reach my partner, but she has not read any of my messages. Yeah, you... You got jealous. You got jealous and you fucked up and this girl's 22. So, yeah, it's done. Pack your shit, dude. She's already moved on. You fucked up. You got jealous. You got you were missing out and then you tried to prove a point and you know, you got the ticket and then you basically just kicked her to the curb. You made her seem like less of a person. So, it's perfectly understandable why she wouldn't want to read your shit or talk to you at all. And it's a long distance relate, dude. You burned this one. You burned the bridge, and you're you're 21 years old. You're learning things that, um, you're learning things about relationships where you don't need to be. You don't have it turn into a pissing contest. And if you really like the person, you're gonna try to make an effort, even with the gas prices being high, to afford a movie ticket with them and go see something. That's all. That's all. That's all I that's all I can tell you. In this case, you you are completely in the wrong. It's like I want to see that movie. Well, fuck you. I'm gonna go see it without you. It's like that's child shit, bro. That's so child shit. You also have to remember that she's 22 years old. She doesn't need you. 
Granted, you don't need her, but she doesn't. If you're going to act like that, she doesn't need, you don't need to be proving any points to her. Or are you proving points to anybody? Just shut up, fill your tank full of gas, and go see a movie with her. Or do something with her. But not this. This is not how you should be acting. It's immature. But you are 21, so I'll give you a pass there. Let's move on to the next one. How can I convince my neighbors to let my kids swim in their pool again after my daughter pushed their daughter into the pool? The community pools are not open yet. We are in a heat wave. One family on our street has put a pool in, put in a pool and is lording, lording it over the rest of us. They have a teenager and a little girl, Bay. Bay acts like a little queen of the neighborhood and doles out her favor, doles out her favor to a few chosen capable of earning the right to swim. Bay is only allowed to invite a few kids over at a time because her sister doesn't want to babysit the entire street. All the girl does is sit in the hammock and play on her phone while the kids swim. One three, uh, our three daughters constantly want to swim, but our oldest one made the mistake of pushing Bay into the pool after an argument over a toy. No one was hurt, but you'd think Bay had be, had a uh, a beaten had been beaten bloody. Bay's mother has banned our girls from coming over because our oldest was quote too violent. We got into an argument where I told her I was, it was just roughhousing, and maybe if her daughter had actually been watching the kids instead of her son's of her screen, it wouldn't have happened. Ouch. I should have kept my mouth shut. Bay's mother went on social media and put up the pool rules and the diatribe about community values, personal responsibility, and how she wasn't going to stand by and watch one daughter get physically attacked only for her other to be other for her other one to be verbally. She will close the pool gates otherwise. She didn't name my family, but everyone figured it out. The heat index keeps rising. Um Well, Yeah, there's, dude, first of all, it's their pool, it's their rights, there's nothing you can do. It's pretty much game over. My advice to you is go get an AC and try to rough it out through the summer, but I don't know what else to tell you. You had a shot, you had a pool, your fucking kid pushed her in. Yeah, Bay, Bay's acting like a bitch, but what do you expect? What do you expect? This little trailer park broad is basically roughing it out over everybody because all of a sudden she has an above-ground pool. Whoopty freaking do whoop de freaking do But, I mean, at this point, you're just going to have to figure out something else. The community pools aren't open yet. I get it, because it's probably a COVID thing. You're going to have to figure something out. Figure something out. If you are the parents, you have to figure something out. You have to do something. Are you just going to let your kids swelter? You could. I mean, obviously, a little bit of discipline and hardship makes you appreciate things more, so maybe that's the way to go. But obviously, you don't want your kids in legit danger. So you're just going to figure something out. And since your kids did something, they should face consequences. Even if, because you're going to deal with bet, you're going to deal with millions of bays every single year. So you have to accept the consequences of, you can't shove every single one of them into a pool. And you got to pay the consequences for sometimes pushing bay. Um... So figure it out what you're going to do. If you're going to buy an AC or get more fans or open more windows or go to the pool or go to the ocean or go to the lake, any of those things would be a good idea because you clearly don't, you can't go next door. Not anymore you can't. So you're going to have to, they have to suffer the consequences and be more appreciative so when they do get to go to the lake or the ocean or something, uh, they'll enjoy it more. Time we got. Yeah, let's keep going. Um, I need to get a drink. Jesus Christ, thirsty. Okay. How can I get my colleagues and boss to stop making insulting, classist comments about people in our office? We just got a new team member a few months ago. Lucy. Lucy uh, makes no secret about she's a trust fund kid. Ivy League, owns a fancy horse, the works. Good for her. She likes a stereotype about from she's like a st- stereotype from a bad sitcom. She always makes comments about working hard and picking yourself up by your bootstraps and gets frustrated about handouts. She usually brings this ta- in tandem with someone's work she thinks is poor quality and has nothing to do with the situation at hand. Ted better fix this software glitch. Some people are just afraid of hard work and washed handouts. Lori better not keep buying the Starbucks if she wants to save cash. Makes sense uh, though with her work ethic. Just awful ignorant stuff. In the beginning, it was annoying, but now it's downright baffling and infuriating. Our manager, Sally, hangs on her every word and has started mirroring Lucy's socioeconomic ideas. Lucy overheard me making a comment 
overheard me make a comment about my landlord in conversation with another coworker, and she gave me a disgusted look and said, oh my God, you still rent at your age? This explains so much. She then immediately ran to Sally, and then they spent the day whispering and looking over at me. Lucy and Sally now my book made comments about people's clothes, the cars they drive, and they bring and what they bring for lunch, and have dismissed it all, obviously trashy or poor. Someone had ramen for lunch the other day, and Lucy gagged and said, oh, gross. It is. Before I go to HR, because I have a lot of this documented, I want to make sure I don't sound oversensitive. I grew up poor and on food stamps. My husband was homeless as a teen. I've seen the drastic emotional, physical, and fiscal impact of poverty and I'm still recovering from it as an adult. To come to my place of work and hear somebody like Lucy talk about her beach house and then call someone's lunch poor people food makes me see red. How can I approach this like a professional and not like my blood is boiling? Okay. Well. Mm, all right. Look. Let me see here. She has no, she's a trust fund kid. She's obviously acting like a bratty bitch. She's got honestly, she's got a horse, so she's bratty. But she works there. She's a coworker. She's a colleague. Okay. But how can I get my colleague? We just got a new team member. Now the boss is doing it. Okay. All right. Well, here's the thing. The colleague is saying stupid shit. I'm not a fan of sending uh, of taking your colleagues' in information to human resources. That's just I don't support that. I don't support that at all. Uh, human resources is, is reserved for maybe if you want to get your boss fired or if you want to get yourself fired. I don't know. I, at this point, like, look, if you want to go human resources, if you want to go human resources, just understand that the Pandora's box that you're opening. And as far as your boss's comments, yeah, you can go with your boss's, you can take your boss's comments to human resources, but just understand that paints a target on your back. Also, I've talked about this office environment bullshit so many times. It's exhausting. It makes me want to, and it also makes me want to throw up. You shouldn't be talking about your financial or anything. Don't talk about anything at work. You shouldn't even have to be, you shouldn't even be fucking talking to your employees in an office environment. Office environment is basically like a corporate gig where all you do is work in the office day in and day out. There's no going out and about and doing shit. It's just office life. Office life is a is a different kind of life. It's a terrible life. It's not it's a life not worth living. So in this situation where that's all you do day in and day out, it's not worth talking to people. It really isn't because this type of shit happens. And all kinds of different stuff happens as well. This is just another tragic uh, case of what happens in an office. It's awful. It's absolutely terrible. And this chick rolls up here. She's got a fucking trust fund. She's got a horse, blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. Great. Um, as far as the boss, the boss should not be saying anything. Because if the boss, if something happens to the boss where you take them to HR, the boss gets fired, this... Lucy chick will get the hint. But remember, it'll also put you in a bad place too. What is that? Oh. It'll put you in a bad place as well. So you have to think very carefully before you go to human resources. Once you do that, all bets are off. All bets are off. And if it's your boss and the boss gets a talking to but doesn't get terminated, guess what? Now you are the target. And there's nothing you can do to say, well, now that I've talked about the, the boss, they are now targeting me and making me look bad. And they'll push you out. They'll force you to quit. They can do it, and they will do it. So just stop talking altogether. Just keep your mouth shut and let somebody else do it. Somebody else will fall behind and make that mistake, and they'll take the beating for it. We are at, let's see, 56 minutes. Uh, Wait a minute. All right, this one's very simple. I'm going to do this one really quick. How can I get my neighbor to stop opening my mail and making me and making snide comments about my bank statements? Because of the similar apartment numbers, an elderly gentleman in my building sometimes receives mail by mistake, my mail by mistake. On three separate occasions, he has returned it after opening it and reading it. Despite a lack of apology from him, I understand accidents happen. I hold in a little bit of haps. However, I, on the two occasions he opened my bank statements, he returned them and made ras rather personal disparaging comments about my bank balance and how I must like to shop a lot. 
I was dumbstruck on these occasions and couldn't manage much of a response. I'm nervous that if this happens again, I might be able to be polite. Is there an appropriate response to the mismanners that would be, uh, blah, 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 make it clear that I have no interest in what he thinks about my finance? Okay, look, 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 look. How can I get my neighbor to stop opening my mail and making snide comments? Opening your mail. All right, even if it's different, same apartment numbers, it's different names on the paperwork. If somebody's opening your mail, that's a federal crime. If somebody's opening your mail, that's a crime. That's a federal offense. So, and he's making snide comments about it. He keeps doing it. He's committing multiple crimes. So you tell him, stop the shit, or I'm going to call the U.S. Postal Service, and I'm going to put down a case number, and you're going you're gonna to be fucked. Because it's the federal government, and they go overboard with everything they do. So you're committing a federal crime. Stop doing it. Don't touch my goddamn mail. That's pretty much it. And that'll bring that to a screeching halt. All right, we are done for the day. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening, watching, and subscribing. Check out all my all my channels, all my stuff, all my content, my blogs, my YouTube channels, my Insta, my blah, blah, blah. Um, if you're looking for posing music because you're a fitness competitor and you're getting back on stage, hit me up on my uh, positivesarcasm.com slash posing music. Uh, if you want to support the channel, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Um, and then, of course, if you want to subscribe to the uh, subscribe, share, donate to the platform, Positive Sarcasm on YouTube, Positive Sarcasm Podcast, and Positive Sarcasm Reactions. Look, it's super easy to support the platform. I also got the Weeble app. If you want to make some stonks, you'll get free stocks every time for when you sign up, and I'll get free stocks as well. Thank you guys for that. Um, and then, of course, if you're listening to the audio form of this podcast, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, the Google Play thingy, whatever, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, anywhere where podcasts are available, you can get this program. So I make it super easy for you guys. And you can also download it and stream it from my website, positivesarcasm.com. It's under posing music. But until then, um, I want to thank you guys for uh, listening, watching, and subscribing. And uh, we'll talk to you all in the next episode. But make sure you also check out my other channels as well, okay? And if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can hit me up in any way, shape, or form. Just make sure you put, like, subject podcast or subject something. I'll be happy to respond to it as long as I can, okay? Or as, poss- as quickly as I can. But in the meantime, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. And I'll talk to you all in the next episode. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation.
you and tell